0: A time Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for his kingdom. To Here is a sermon by Bishop God. Kobanga J.O. It is impossible to find or rather to use human lingo to describe God our description of God is so limited. It is so limited because our God is beyond human comprehension. The only understanding that we have about God is that understanding that we receive from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will always give us an understanding based on our context, based on the season, based on what exactly he wants to do in our lives. God does not just uh, pump into us information about himself so that we may actually feel that we are knowledgeable. God wants that any time we receive from him, that the insights about him, his person, his attributes, his, uh, the, 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 the workings of his purpose should be geared towards bringing us to the place where we fulfill our destiny. Knowing about God is not going to a lecture hall. Because some of us, we approach God as though you've gone for lectures. Whereby you receive outdated information that cannot even be applied today. You know, whenever people go to university, sometimes you know you're taught things that you can't apply because some of those things were applicable in the past. You're taught concepts and theories and every other kind of persuasion That may be high sounding, but has no relevance today. We have so many engineers today, but how many engineers in this country have built state of the art roads and other structures? On the contrary, most of our buildings are collapsing. And you'll find that they are usually structural engineers who are listed on some signpost somewhere, isn't it? So the question we ask ourselves, is it that something is wrong with our curriculum or what exactly it is? Maybe the curriculum may not be the issue. The issue could probably be that some things that were taught in the past may probably not suffice today. Because we live in the era of information where things keep evolving. When we get to know God, it is his desire that we keep growing from glory to glory. Because what may have sufficed for you three years ago insofar as your knowledge of Christ is concerned, may not suffice today. You get what I'm saying, church? You see, when you look at the spirit of religion, one thing that is very fundamental is that some of the things that people held dear in the past They were not necessarily heretical. They were not necessarily false. There was truth in what was revealed in the past. And it worked. Because that is what made those who lived in the days of old move with God. And they were able to fulfill their destiny. But now what happens is, After God has moved in the lives of people, Christians camp around the move of God rather than the person of God. They camp around the the workings of God. They camp around the miracles of God and everything else and they settle not wanting anything else. So that when God begins to start something that is completely different, something which is a departure from what people are used to, you find that those who embraced the former move begin to fight that which is new. And you know, fighting the move of God does not necessarily mean that you, you rise up in arms against any preacher. You can fight the move of God in your heart. You can just resist and not care. Because, as far as you're concerned, it worked like this 13 years ago when infamy started. We used to pray like this. You know, God started moving in Central Park. He did this in Riara Woods. God moved in a particular way when we were at Abbey Comfort Inn and at Lois Place and at Beecher Hall and at Kivi Milimani. You know, we get caught up in that which worked in the past, forgetting that that was the past. You see, God is not in the past. Church, are you hearing what I'm saying? Where we found God in 2010, He is not there. You begin to think that how you studied the Bible in those years, you believe that it had to be this way. And if at all there's anything else that is happening, then there's something wrong with the church, there's something wrong with brethren. that because you used to make a few sentences and you call them prayers and you got answers so you begin to fixate yourself on those few sentences and you tell yourself you've prayed and when you and when your prayers not, do not get answered you begin to feel like uh, there's something wrong with the church and the problem is not the church the problem is you The reason why you're not getting answers is not because of the child. The reason why you're not getting answers is because you've refused to move to where God is. You're still holding on to those few syllables. Hello? You got filled by the Holy Ghost. You spoke in tongues. You spoke a few syllables that are tongues and somehow it felt good. Good. You began to feel a sensitivity within yourself that you are breaking through. But when times and seasons changed, you still held on to those baby tongues. And when other people began to move to mature tongues, you began to feel that something is wrong with everybody. Forgetting that God is not in what you used to do in the past. God is where he is. Let me take it further. Where God is insofar as your brother or sister is concerned is not where God is for you. You're hearing what I'm saying in me. Where God is insofar as Mrs. O'Cheng is concerned is not where God is insofar as Baba Mzito or Nyango is concerned, much as their husband and wife. Who told you that when you are husband and wife, God must be where we are together? No. Because listen, salvation is not corporate. Salvation is personal. It is personal. You may be married, but the truth is, when Jesus comes, one of you will be left behind and the other one taken away. And you're, and you're sharing the same bed. Husbands and wives, did you hear me? Or you've not read these things in scripture? One be, there'll be two people and one will be left and the other one will be taken. That tells you salvation is personal. We are at different levels of faith and that is why, friends, don't compare yourself with somebody. Find out where God is and where he wants you to be with him. Don't look for God where your mommy is. Your mama has her own life. You, you're hearing what I'm saying for me? God is where you find him. Not where others have found him. Where you find him. Yes, he is one. He is one God. But listen here. He has revealed himself in multiple ways. He is one God. That is why we cannot limit God to three persons. We cannot limit him to three persons. Yes, we know there's the person of the Father, the person of the Son, the person of the Holy Ghost. That is true, but beloved, we can't just limit him to that. Because even within the Father, there's multiplicity. Within the Son, there's multiplicity. Within the Holy Ghost, there's multiplicity. Because God the Father is spirit. God the Son is spirit. God the Holy Spirit is spirit. you getting me, friends. He is omnipresent. And how God is present in one person is different from how he's present in another person. That is why when you look at the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew's revelation of Christ was very different from that one of Luke. The revelation of Christ according to John was different from that of Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Yet they were all talking about the same person. That revelation was according to what God wanted to fulfill in the lives of those great ministers of God. As well as also what exactly is it that the Spirit of God want to, wanted the people The audience who listened to Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark to hear. You're getting me, friends? Because we cannot be the same. The reason why we cannot be the same is because God wants you to find him where he is as as an individual. When you find God where he is as, as an individual the end result is that you'll be able to find each other in him. Why is it that there's a lot of strife in the body of Christ? Why is it that people do not necessarily understand each other? It's because people have not found God where he is. You're trying to put yourself at the same level as as somebody. My friend, you're wasting time. Find God where he wants you to find him. That way you'll find every other person where they have found God at a personal level. Because finding God where he wants you to find him basically means you will tap into the grace of God upon your life. You'll tap into your potential and you know when you when when you are able to find each other, you will be able to supply what God has enabled you to receive where He is. Hey, hey, oh my goodness. There'll be no comparison. Yeah, you can't, can't stand him at all. Hey. There'll be no comparison. Hey. Even as a, you see, even as as a ministry, infamy must find God where God is before infamy can find the rest of the members of the body. Earth. If we do not do so, we will end up comparing ourselves with other churches. We'll end up striving with other churches. We might end up being copycats. So that when you see a particular church, how they arrange the the place of the altar, you also want to do the same. Because there are a few chairs here. Bishop, let's also put chairs like that because we saw this church doing that. That just shows that you've not found God where you are. Is it that what the rest are doing is wrong? No. You know, we must not do things because other people are doing. We must do what God has revealed to us. Regardless as to whether people believe in us or not. Why do you want people to believe in you when you don't even believe in God? What do I mean when I say you don't believe in God? You don't believe in what God has said about yourself as an individual. You don't believe in what God has said about yourself as infamy. Because you're looking at limitation. Your definition of God is the definition of limitation, of constraints. Yet we serve a God of abundance. You see, the God of abundance is also a God of process. Because you don't get to abundance unless you go through process. Process is not necessarily wilderness. Process is formation. Process is transformation. Process is preparation. Let me take it further. Process is rest. Come on. Process is rest. Rest is not lounging and lurking around. That is not Rest rest is preparation rest is process rest is you coming to a place of transition because you want to take off that is what rest is transition to take off now okay probably some of you are wondering what am i saying now you see the children of israel are being led by god to the land of promise the land of rest isn't it Now, the question is, when they got to Canaan, did they lounge? There was warfare. Canaan was occupied by seven nations. You're being promised a, a land that is occupied by people. So you think that I'll just go and fold my arms. My friend, it does not happen that God has called me to be a successful businessman. What makes you think that the gate of business is unoccupied? It is occupied. God has promised me promotion. The next seat that you're desiring is occupied by someone who is a sorcerer. So for you to get that position, you need to trust the spirit of God to give you wisdom as to how will you occupy that seat. And you know, God will not allow that person to leave unless you are ready to love that person. You can pray dangerous prayers, but the witch will stay and become successful. And here you are walking around. Greater is he that is he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. My friend, that will not work unless something has adjusted within here. If things do not change here, you are not occupying any seat. And if you are not careful, you will be demoted. and God will still be true and all men will be liars. You know we need to tell each other the hard truth. That's why you must find where God is, not where you think he ought to be, where he is he. And one thing I know about God, friends, and I say this out of experience. When you find God where he is, everything that you ever knew about God becomes irrelevant. Uh Everything that you took possession of in God's name Uh becomes dung, Uh becomes rubbish. Uh Because whenever you move from one level of transition to another, that period of transition is a period where you empty yourself. You empty of everything, reputation, position. Sometimes God even requires us to let go of resources because one thing that hinders people from moving to the next level is resources, materialism, things that we own. You tell me, but Bishop, you know me, I'm, I'm not an idolater. Me, I worship the true living God. Well, if at all that is true, then how come is it that you treat your car much more important than your fellow brother or sister. Your brother and sister who is made in God's image and likeness. You value your car. Bishop, you know, me, I love God. I give my tithes. Bishop, you know, whenever I get fast fruits of increase, I always bring to you and so on. Do you know that is idolatry? Come on. You've limited yourself to tithes, fast fruits, thanksgiving, and a few coins that you call offering. You're telling God that that is what he's worth. You're telling God, now you see God, because I do not want you to bother me with a lot of demands, so I'm writing this check. I've sorted you out. Now please leave me alone. Listen. God is not concerned about what you've put in the offertory or what you've sent to the church bank account. God is looking at what is left. Yeah. What is your attitude towards what you've kept for yourself? I don't know whether people are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, I'm not, listen, and please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that every now, when you earn your salary, you'll be bringing it all. That's not what I'm saying. God is looking at attitude. Because you can still bring everything but with the wrong attitude. And God will reject what you've given. The same way he rejected the offerings that Cain brought. Not because of the offering but because of the posture of Cain. Where is God in your life and have you really found him? Because when you find God my friends, you will let go. You will put aside things. Do you know, when you fi- let me tell you something, friends. I, mean, I don't know what kind of salvation people believe in. Do you know the God we serve is a very amazing God? He's beyond tights. Or let me put it this way He's beyond 10%. Those of you who love 10%, you know, you've limited God to 10%. I've given 10%. God, I'm okay. Are you really okay? Who gave you that job that you prayed and cried and did everything and sparked saliva left, right, and center wanting the job? (laughs) Do you know people of my kind? Tithing is not ten percent, tithing is more. People of my kind. I don't know about you, but my kind. Now that is where I have found God. I don't know where you found him. Where I have found God, 10% is little. For me, my giving goes up and up. You know you, you know, you know, many times preachers have been attacked because of giving. And it is true we have got very many fake preachers. I do hear you, friends. But listen, the fact that they are fake preachers does not mean you become a fake giver. Because just as they are fake preachers, they are also fake givers. You criticize and you're holding on to your 50 shillings. My friend, shame on you if you're giving 50 shillings when you can give more. When you can give more. Please don't get it twisted when you can give more. Bishop, we are living in very difficult times. They will get more tough, but where is God in your life? Because most of us, we are looking for how to survive in difficult times rather than how to abide in the presence of God in the midst of these times. Because when you begin to focus on the economical upheavals, my friend, you 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 will not be a giver. Hey. Your tithes will not be acceptable to God, your fast food will not be acceptable to God and everything. But when you find God uh-huh. Uh-huh. at ten percent on drive, my friend, you're joking. Now you ask, but bishop, so how much should we give tithes? That is not my business, that is yours. Ten percent is for baby Christians. Ten percent as tithe. People, you know, people have just got born again. Eh? They start from there. But when you grow, my friend, the spirit of God in you whom you love will move you to give more. Now, as to what you'll give, that is not for me to tell you. Me, I know what I do. You sort yourself out. You get what I'm saying? You know, when you grow in God, let me take it further. When you grow in God, you reach a point whereby you decide that this man's salary I'm not eating. When you grow, not when you've stagnated, I don't know whether you've grown. But when you grow in God, depending on how you, you know, depending on how you trans, you, you reach a point you say, you know what? You know, God, you've been so good to me. I think I have enough to survive on. This salary, I'm giving it to you. And you know, God, I'm not going to be hungry. I'll pay my rent and everything. And sure enough, God provides. By the way, in some cases, God brings certain strangers into your life with money. I'm saying what has happened to me. I've dealt with strangers. Who brought money to me? Yeah, when I talk about strangers, I don't. it doesn't mean that I, I saw them. There's been money that has come into my account without even knowing where it is. When I try to figure out who gave it, it's like I'm not told. So I don't know whether the finance committee have an agreement with some people not to be telling me where money comes from, but whatever the case, it's fine. I have found God where he is. You get what I'm saying, church? When you find God where he is, you'll never have enemies. You know, we must grow. When you find God where he is, you know those believers who struggle with their salvation, those ones who are carnal, you invest more in them. you invest more in them you know those who appear to be very much frontline they can be misleading sometimes because god wants us to move from the multitude from where i mean from where there's a lot of focus to the places where there is less focus And you'll find that there are people who do not have much of that focus, but when you invest in them, give them years from now. Those guys will do exploits. Some of of these people are the ones who become pillars of the kingdom. When it comes to certain things, they go quiet, but they're very noisy. I'm telling you. Because where God is, is not where everybody is. God is where certain people are, not everybody. Certain individuals that want to transact with him in matters of purpose, in matters of the kingdom, in matters of dominion. You getting me, guys? That is why... When you look at even the the Great Commission, the Great Commission does not keep people in Jerusalem. The Great Commission takes people to the uttermost parts of the world. Uttermost, where nobody is known. Great Commission sends you to sinners in the office, in the marketplace. Because that's where God wants you to find him. You're getting what I'm saying, church? Where you go out of your way and spend your time with just one person, not with multitudes. One person. You disciple that person. You do everything you can. It's like you're you're telling yourself, my destiny depends on how I handle this person. That I'm not going to move until this person stands. That's how serious it is. You'll not have to strive with anybody. When you find God where he wants you to find him, you will find people where they are in God. You get what I'm saying, church? And let us not assume because of the fact that we have attained to some level of spirituality that those who appear to be less spiritual have not found God. You see, as per their level, they have found God. But for you, to whom much has been given, much is required. The question is, do you know what it means when the Bible says much is required of you? How is your prayer life? Because if you are really prayerful, as you say, then we need to see some change in your life. How you compose yourself. But how can you tell me you are prayerful, yet I only see laziness? A prayerful person is not lazy. A prayerful person is someone who is very cautious, someone who is careful, someone who is concerned about the things of God and the people of God. And you don't need a pastor to tell you these things. And you know when you talk about prayer, prayer must also be balanced by the word of God. You can't be praying and yet you are devoid of the word of truth. If you're not full of what God says in his word, Then you are heretical. You are not praying. You are practicing witchcraft. There is no difference between you and a a chanter, someone who chants in some shrine somewhere. Hello, church. So, where is God in your life? Where is He? Where is God? I have learned not to be everywhere, friends. I have learned to be where I'm supposed to be. People may tell me, Bishop Gobanga, you need to do A, B, C, D. Bishop Gobanga, with this kind of preaching, you're supposed to be in this platform and so on. But the question is, is that where God wants me to be? I can't be in every platform. I may have the desire, but the truth is, that is not what God wants for me. Why go to some platform and end up being unproductive. Why? I'd rather be where I'm supposed to be. When most of my age mates were getting married, there were those who were telling me, you know, Gobanga, it seems as though we need to do some homework for you because you are just single and just hanging around. I told them, I don't need any homework. If it is your time to walk down the aisle, please do so, but leave me alone. Because I've never been pressured that I need to look for somebody. My friend, the person is there. You're getting me. But I can only meet that person when I have first of all met God in the season of meeting that person. I have to meet God where he wants me to be in that season. So once I have found God in the right season, not the season that has been determined by men, but the season of God, that is when I will meet that person in that season. you getting me? But you see, people who enter into marriage because of pressure, because of, you know, you're pressured because of age, you want to get married because of your age. It's my friends, and I'm sure those of you who are married, you understand that. That is, if at all, you, 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 you are that kind of a culprit. You'll discover that when you go to married, you realize you're inadequate. You thought you knew everything. It's true. That's when you discovered you didn't know anything. You are pressured because you are of the biological clock. You are pressured because your elders at home had started talking in a manner to suggest that your age mates have five kids. Because they tell you, at 24 years, you should have five kids. In the village, let me tell you. In the village, you'll hear things. It's true. So because of that, you also want to push yourself there, but you've not even consulted God. Your age mates walked into marriage at the time that they were meant to get into marriage. But as for you, God has a very different agenda. Uh And that agenda is not subject to age. It is subject to purpose. It is about destiny. Hmm? I'm telling you. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, what I've seen as a pastor, whenever you tell people, can you wait? Like in this church, you know, there are those of you who are now married. I remember telling you people to wait, and some guys used to be very sad. In fact, some never even used to say hi to me. They're just in a state of mourning, just mourning, (laughs) mourning, mourning, mourning. You meet somebody. It's like the default setting when they see you is they look aside because marriage was the ultimate. But when they got married, lo and behold, they discovered that they were not even equipped for this thing. Marriage is not for boys and girls. Marriage is for men and women who have found God where God wants them to find him not where they think they should because of biological clock. Because when you find that person that God has ordained for you, you stop being a feminist, you stop being chauvinistic. You cannot enter into marriage when you are chauvinistic, when you are a feminist. Marriage is a place of sacrifice. Now, you cannot sacrifice in marriage when you've never sacrificed to God as a single. You struggle giving. Yet in marriage, there's a lot of giving. eh? Marriage is not just giving money. You give your time. You give of yourself. It's not just resources. So if you cannot give... And you're holding on to yourself. And you say that it's time to get married. My friend, you don't know what you're getting into. Because when you know God, my friend, everything else does not matter. You will not care about what people say. Uh, Millennials, you're so concerned about what people will say. Forget about people. After all, they've never helped you all this time that you've been worrying about them. Why are you worrying so much about people? Why can't you worry about yourself? You're thinking about people who do not even care whether you succeed or not. When you succeed, they criticize you. When you fail, they criticize even more. So what is it that people want? Just leave people alone. Do your thing. You get what I'm saying, church? Where is God in your life? Where is he? When you find God, you will find yourself in him. And you will find those that are your destiny helpers who have also found God. But until you come to a place where you have found God, you will struggle with people. You will struggle with circumstances. You'll even struggle interpreting time and season. Find God first. Just find him. Because some of us, we've reached a point where we are dead to many things. We don't really care about many things we are more concerned about where is God. Because, friends, when you find God, your language will change. Your desires will change. Your thoughts will change. Your priorities will change when you find God. That you will never allow anything in your life to hinder you from serving God. I'm telling you, and you know, sometimes one of the ways of dealing with things which are impediments insofar as your devotion to God is concerned is that you let go of them. That is one way. There are so many ways, but that's one of way. that if I have something. Okay, let me put it this way. Let's say you are dating. Okay? You are dating a man or a woman. But in the course of your dating, you discover that your mind is preoccupied with this man and woman much more than Jesus. To the point that you only come to the service because of this man or this woman. You attend summit because of, of the fact that you are anticipating this man and this woman. And, 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 and if let's say he or she has not come, you are so distracted even in worship because you're just trying to look. Until when the moment you notice him, you pretend you're going to the washroom only to go and be seated next to that person. That in itself confirms that that individual is a God in your life you have to let go. Now, maybe you're wondering, but Bishop, God spoke. Well, whether he spoke or not, that's relative. But here's the thing. Let us assume even if God spoke. God did not say that that person becomes an idol. So maybe you might need to take a break from that relationship until you reach a point whereby you are no longer preoccupied with the thoughts of this man or this woman. Where you tell God, I need a time whereby you'll release me into this relationship because yes, I have found the person you've told me, but there is something about me that needs to shift. I do not want this man, I do not want this woman to occupy the throne of my heart. So you take a break. You don't need to explain to these other... You see, you don't need to tell your boyfriend or girlfriend that, you know what, you've become an idol. You, I mean, that would be very offensive. You have to be very careful. Okay? But, you, you know, you do it with wisdom. It's one way of also just trying to figure out whether your, your motives are right. You get what I'm saying, church? Or you're used to working overtime because you get some good money. You, do you know you can do away with that overtime, So that you worship God. Hello? Maybe some of you are asking, but Bishop, now what about if I am mesmerized by my wife and husband? Bishop, I cannot divorce and so on. Well, I'm not saying you divorce. You can tell your spouse that I need some time of consecration. I, I need to go into a period of consecration. You're sharing the same bed, but you're seeking God. You're getting me? You just tell your spouse that there are things I need to deal with God. If, if your spouse is, 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 is not the one who might misunderstand you, you can actually share. But if you're not very sure about your spouse, lest your spouse start experiencing rejection, don't share much. Just say, I'm seeking God. But you know very well that your spouse has become an idol. And tell the Lord to position himself in your life, such that your spouse does not occupy that place that only belongs to God. You getting with me? And then once you're through, and you know very well that Jesus is now the Lord, you can now get back to engaging with your spouse the way you ought to. Of course, there are aspects of engagement in marriage which I think are at the discretion of what a husband and wife ought to agree. I will not go into the details because some of you are not married, so I wouldn't even share that. But that is a story from another day. Hmm. Because things that God has given to us can end up becoming idols. Even friends. Even ministry, by the way. You know, you can be a pastor and you're so mesmerized by your ministry much more than Jehovah God. And that's why the reason as to why we worship the way we worship is not because we are clueless. We worship the way we worship because we want reality. We do not want religion. You don't come to church to be taken through a program. If you want programs, go to funerals, go to weddings, you know, go to a conference. And when I talk about a conference, I'm, talk- I'm not talking about a church conference. I'm talking about those other conferences. But when you come to church, the Bible says and my house shall be called a house of prayer. We come to God's house to pray, not to be taken through a program. We come to worship him. And worship is spontaneous. And we don't come worshipping the way we worshipped last Sunday. We we'll come uh, every Sunday is a different Sunday. We worship him with the language of understanding. We worship him in, with the language of the spirit. The prayer language of the Holy Ghost. Hmm? You're getting me? That's why I told some of us here, if you still have those tongues that you used to speak, when you know that I mean when you got filled by the Holy Ghost. My friend, it's time to to, to grow up. You need to you need, you need to grow into mature tongues, my friend. Hmm? And of course, you remember when I did the series of tongues, the decoded language of the spirit. There are different levels and dimensions of tongues. You know how you you see how you pray in tongues when you when, when in your prayer closet is different from how you even pray in public. If you are to find me in my prayer closet, how I speak in tongues is not the way I do it while I'm here. It's very different. Very, very different. Be it whether I'm interceding or when I'm doing warfare. And even when I do tongues uh, by reason of worship... There are ways in which I worship God in my private closet that I don't do it in public, not because I program myself. It is just something which is there. I understand. I want us to worship God. Worship Him. Bless His holy name. Guys of worship team, come. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.